Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is time for Dog Walk Talk. I'm Wes Blankenship, Jake Roos. And Palmer Tom's joining me today. How you doing, fellas? Doing well, man. Got the uh, gear ready. Palmer's uh, ready to go carry the bag for Dustin Johnson. So uh, it's looking like a good week. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the show with Tommy Fleetwood and his caddy. (laughs) I I wish I was the caddy out there. I would love to go walk those grounds. Maybe not in the cold weather, rainy weather we've had this week in, in Georgia, but would love to be out there at any rate. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about the dogs later on in this episode. Uh, six Georgia golfers out there with the chance to win the green jacket. Obviously, Bubba Watson's already done it. Uh, I'll tell you who I feel like has the best shot out of that crew uh, later on. But let's start with Georgia's football team, guys. Spring practice going on. We've heard Kirby now a few times. The dogs are through 10 practices as we record this today on April 6th. I want to start with you, Palmer. Um You've been to all of these practices. I've been to a few of them to hear from Kirby and some of the guys, but you've witnessed a lot more of the practice reps. You've had your thumb on the pulse of this team right now. Uh, Depth really an issue. What's the number one storyline to you as we're just over a week away from G-Day? Well, to me, it's not necessarily the quarterbacks, but to a lot of people, it would be the quarterbacks. Um, like you said, I think it is depth. And, and, and to me, what I'm watching for on G-Day uh, is going to be the defensive side of the football, the depth that they have there, um, you know, as they reload, um, you know, everything that we heard out of the scrimmage on Saturday was that the offense had a great day, offense this, offense that. I think if you watched the video that Georgia football put out on Twitter, it was kind of a showcase of the passing game. And I think to a lot of Georgia fans, they might be a little bit concerned, but from everything we've heard, it's, you know, this, this defense, you got to remember this defense is losing eight starters. They have a ton of NFL talent to replace potentially five first round picks. Uh, And so they're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, especially when you look at this offense and how little they have to replace, Um, you know, a couple guys on the offensive line, Jermaine Burton and George Pickens are gone, uh, you know, a, a tight end in John Fitzpatrick. But you're doing that with guys that have been around the program uh, and, and played crucial parts, the running backs too. Um, so to me, I think my biggest storyline so far this spring and as we're, you know, two-thirds of the way through with five practices to go until G-Day it's the defense and, and the way that they're reloading. Um, you know, we talked to Jalen Carter last night and, you know, he, he gets, he understands that the comparisons are going to be made between him and the defensive lineman that came before him. He understands the pressure that's on him to fill their shoes. But at the same time, if you look at this defense and, and Carter is a great example of that, there's guys fully capable of doing it. So, to me, that's the biggest storyline so far this spring in a spring full of storylines. 
Uh, Jake, you've covered a lot of these guys that are early enrollees, and you know Jalen Walker's name has been mentioned a couple times. Um, when you when you talk about the depth issues that Palmer referenced, unfortunately, C.J. Washington is going to be out for the rest of the spring. So kind of a mixed bag of guys that came on trying to learn this Georgia system, and whether it's bad luck uh, or just the level of physical competition that they're facing, you know, it's tough for them to either you know, make a huge impact or stay healthy in the spring. But of the guys that are in Georgia's camp right now that you just spend a lot of time covering as recruits, who's going to be the least surprising name to make an impact, say, at G-Day or maybe even early on in Georgia's actual season in 2022? Well, I think he really stole my name, and that was Jalen Walker. I mean, he's the, he's the, the front-runner candidate, and I think he would have been really regardless of what happened to C.J. Washington or, or these depth concerns. Uh, to me, Jalen was uh, among the most college-ready players that Georgia brought in in this class, and uh, I think that that's been kind of the case uh, since we've been covering him, to be honest with you. He's a guy who is has the perfect build for it. He comes from a, a, a football coach's uh, household. Uh, his dad's the coach at Catawba College. Um, you know, he's a guy who just gets it. He understands what it means to be playing at a level like this and what it means, the dedication it takes. And so I'm not too surprised to hear that he's popped early on. That's that makes a lot of sense and would probably have been the guy that I would have had circled. Um, you know, I think when you're talking about maybe looking around at the rest of these guys, little tough to say um you know i mean you, you hope a guy like Sean washington can take a step forward you know after early enrolling uh, you need a guy like that on your defensive line how does a michael williams you know kind of bounce forward and replace a guy like trayvon walker is malachi starks that guy for lewis scenes replacement um you know these guys are, are the ones that we've had circled and and you know these are the the high five-star guys in most cases Sean was a three-star guy but you know, I think that I, I don't know that I necessarily look at this as a problem for Georgia. I, I know that if we were having the same conversation in August and talking about depth, I think it would be a huge problem. But I think this is actually a big advantage for the Bulldogs. You are replacing a lot of talent, but you're also just having to throw a lot of guys into the fire and let them learn. And it's kind of a sink or swim thing in spring practice this year for a lot of these guys, I think. Um, you know, you get an opportunity to see, are they the guys that we thought they were? Can they produce at this level? Can they keep up? Can they learn? Uh, can they go through the rigors of this? I, it's Is it ideal? No. But I, I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world. And I, I think that uh, Georgia's in a good spot. You know, they've recruited for this exact kind of thing. Um, you build the depth through recruiting, and, and they've certainly brought in some tremendous classes. So I think between these last two classes, uh, they'll be able to find some guys who are kind of diamonds in the rough, and, and, and uh, you know, not that there were a lot of those uh, in, in either of these classes, but I, I think that some of those guys are going to be able to catch on, make an impact because of this experience in spring practice, and then also pop off during G-Day. All right, Wes, so since he didn't say the name that I had in mind, I'll give it to you anyway. Dalen Everett would be my guy. I was just looking if, at him, just reading about him. Yeah, and and to me that's because of the you know once again we're talking about depth. It's the depth that defensive back and the and the you know need to replace a corner opposite of Keely Ringo. I think he has. I wouldn't project him as the starter, but I think he has a chance to be 
competitive in that role. Um, is already being competitive in that role, but I think he has a chance to rotate in that role uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I, you know, I would expect Kamari Lassiter to be the starter there. Um, that that's from everything we've seen so far this spring, that's been the case. But I think that, she, that you know, with three guys at that position, Lassiter, Everett, and Nyland Green as well, who, who's a name that, you know, both those guys, Lassiter and Green, you know, Jake, you mentioned that last recruiting class, both those guys are from there. All three of them are kind of at the same level as, as it stands right now. Lassiter and, and Green, you know, having a year of experience under, under their belt, they're probably going to be a little bit of an at a little bit of an advantage, but I think Dalen Everett comes in as maybe the most polished of those guys, uh, at least from the high school ranks. And, and so, you know, I think with three of them that are very comparable, you could see a rotation because of how much that position runs, because of how much you want to keep fresh legs on the field there. Um, and, and as it relates to G Day, you know, you're probably going to see Dalen Everett get a ton of reps. Uh, you know, maybe with that second team, maybe not necessarily with that first team. Uh, and, and you may see, you know, I don't know whether the for first team defense is going to be wearing red or black, but, you know, whatever color the second team defense is wearing, you may be seeing Dalen Everett and Nyland Green as the starting two corners getting a ton of great reps against a, a talented, deep veteran group of Georgia wide receivers. Well, and in the way that Kamari, I think, was the third guy last year, I think Dalen kind of steps into that role now. Um, you know, and like you said, I mean, Nyland's not going to make it easy on him uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I give Lassiter kind of the the edge. I think that he's the guy who ultimately ends up winning the spot for sure, just based on experience. I think that, uh, you know, he kind of came in, picked everything up really well last year and made himself known early on. And so I think that He's got a really good shot at it, um, but Dalen, yeah, can probably be this year's Kamari last year. Yeah, I think, as you guys mentioned, it's a good thing for Georgia to, you know, not have this many injuries, not have this many concerns right now. That's not a good thing for the players involved as they rehab. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you don't necessarily want to have to depend on a lot of these early enrollees. And when Kirby was asked about it yesterday, Palmer, he almost rolled his eyes Um out of the room because he is so concerned with the guys that I think he rightfully identifies as the true starters. And he pulled a you guys. And whenever Kirby says you guys, that means he's talking about the media. And he says, you guys are so quick to anoint all these early enrollees uh, when they might not even necessarily be in positions to start. And it seems like, you know, Kirby's reaction told me a lot about how much you know, some of these guys will either A, truly be depended on, or B, the ones that, that might uh, need to step up for Georgia. He doesn't want to put too much pressure on them as freshmen. Now, as the scrimmage is concerned, I, I didn't know this inside baseball that Kirby shared with us about how they go about preparing for these scrimmages. They had their first scrimmage on Saturday, and Kirby revealed that they talk up how important the scrimmage is going to be. They do kind of incubate a little bit of pressure for the early enrollees to simulate as much as they can the pressure of a game situation. And he specifically mentioned Oregon. So the Ducks are already somewhat on Kirby's mind as well. So I thought that was an interesting little takeaway from hearing from Kirby yesterday, some of his reflections, some of his thought process of how they do get early enrollees ready uh, 
for a scrimmage like they had on Saturday, even if they're not going to be looked at as the number one guy at their positions. Yeah, I, I and and you know I, I think that we've talked a lot about you know the number one guys and and the depth and all this, but if there's an area for concern. Yeah, it's one that we haven't heard a lot about, and I, I think it's outside linebacker, you know, moving into uh, this G-Day and moving through this spring and even into this summer. Um, yeah, I don't know that you have a lot of depth behind Nolan Smith and uh, and Robert Beal, or at least I, I don't feel like there's proven depth there. You know, you hope there are some guys that are ready to take that step forward. Smile Munden, uh, obviously MJ Sherman, can he make that turn? Uh, where does a guy like CJ Madden come in and, and uh, fit into this rotation? I mean, to me, though, when you're looking at this, it's it's a situation where these guys are, uh, I don't know. There's so, there's definitely some questions to be asked uh, moving into G-Day and beyond. And, and I think, like you said, Wes, you, you hope that those guys – are able to respond to the pressure because I think on some of these position groups, uh, the pressure is pretty immense. Chaz Chambliss too. Yeah. Chaz for sure. For sure. That, that yep. is starting to stand out. Um, you know, it seems like he's getting some reps with the first team a little bit. Yeah. So you mentioned a diamond in the rough earlier and one of those diamonds in the rough, the rare ones in Georgia signing classes that we heard from yesterday as well was Lad McConkey, and he is a diamond in the rough. Three-star kid uh, coming out of North Murray. Just wrote a piece on him for Dogs HQ. Uh, do want to mention that if you haven't already signed up for our spring ball special, we are offering up four months for $10, which is the normal price for one month. So great deal to keep you plugged in to Palmer's practice notes and uh, Jake's recruiting notes as well. And um, kind of a, a look like I wrote about Lad McConkey. I mean, he, he had, I think, 20 touchdowns as a quarterback, 10 as a running back, three kick returns, three pick sixes in high school. And I look at his offer list, and maybe, Jake, you can speak to this, but, you know, I'm looking at Kennesaw State, Mercer, uh, Vandy, Furman. Um, I think it's one of the examples of that narrative that Kirby Smart can't develop talent or Kirby Smart only brings in five stars and they don't do anything. Like Obviously, that narrative died with the national championship game, but there still are players like Lad McConkey that Georgia finds when no one else is looking for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, Lad was one of those guys, and it's become more – uh, frequent, I guess, since the, this has begun. But, you know, with the with the implementation of early signing day, everybody started kind of hoarding their classes in, getting everybody signed early, and then they were able to evaluate their needs. Lad McConkey was not a guy we had heard of in early December of, of the year that he signed. I mean, he was a total unknown. He was one of those point. guys where you saw his name and you just laughed at his name. Like, that was Lad McConkey. <laughs> Yeah, sure. You, I mean, it, it sounds like a burner yeah. account or something. I mean, it, you know, it's like not real. Uh, he, he's a, he, he's a guy who carries a bag at Augusta, right? Yeah. I mean, so it, it's a uh, it, it's yeah, it's it was insane. But I, I think though that you've got a situation with him where 
you know, it, it was a great evaluation. Georgia made a great call um, and, you know, got a hold of some tape late, uh, trusted their eyes and uh, had a chance to bring him in, get a feel for what he could do in person. And, and yeah, like you said, Wes, I mean, I think that guys like Lad McConkey go a long way to killing that narrative. Look, Jordan Davis, people can yeah. say whatever they want. He, he, he's, big, he's big as hell, right? But he was not one of the highest rated guys coming out. I mean, depending on what service you were looking at, there were some that considered him a three-star. So it's a situation, again, where they found a guy, they believed in what they saw, they trusted their eyes. And, and I tell people this, too. We, uh, we'll talk about recruiting later in this show. People have been asking me, are things slow right now? Why has why have uh, Georgia kind of seen a, a lull in commitments? I think it's because they trust their, their evaluations about as much as any uh, program in the nation. And they like to get these kids in on summer workouts. They want visits where they can see them up close and personal and have a chance to put them through the paces and see, can they handle this kind of coaching? Can they handle this? Lad McConkey, a guy who caught on in December and uh, came in and proved that he could do all of those things. And like you said, man, diamond in the rough, no question about it. Palmer, uh, before we hit this first break here, Georgia's basketball team is keeping the transfer portal hot. Uh, can you give us a quick recap on what Mike White is facing right now? And where do the dogs go from here, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a situation now where you are looking at a complete overhaul of the team that went 6-26. and 26. And maybe that's not necessarily such a bad thing. Um, but when you start to lose key players uh, for like Cario Quindo, um, it, it certainly is alarming. Um, I, I think he, he is the, um, fifth player to enter the transfer portal was quickly followed by a sixth later this afternoon, um, or, or immediately right after, uh, the news, um, of Josh Taylor. So Georgia has now put six players into the transfer portal. Um, it's a situation, like I said, where you are rebuilding, um, all, Five of the guys that signed with Georgia in their 2021 signing class will now be playing elsewhere next season, assuming none of those names take their name out of the transfer portal and decide to come back to Georgia, which is always an option, um, you know, at, at, at least, you know, an option that you can do from the transfer portal. Um, but I think that it, it's going to be a situation where Georgia really attacks the transfer portal. Mike White takes this as an opportunity to wipe the slate clean, um, you know, they've already hit the transfer portal once, uh, you know, bringing in Longwood transfer Justin Hill, who averaged about 14 points per game uh, for the Lancers on their way to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, talented guard who who has, you know, I it was averaging a double-double at times last season. So, um, you know, I, I, between points and assists. So I think guys like that are going to be what Mike, who Mike White relies on in year one um, as he begins to get his guys in here. You know, looking back on Tom Crane's first year, he didn't, he didn't necessarily have the guys that he wanted to be coaching. There was an overhaul after that season. But you got to remember, it wasn't as easy to transfer. There weren't the... You know, there wasn't the one-time transfer rule then. Um, so he didn't have the option to kind of reassess his current team, push guys out the door that maybe should be out the door, and kind of hit the reset button. Mike White has that opportunity. He's attacking the transfer portal. Uh, I've, I've got a piece coming out later this week on, on players that Georgia has 
you know, at least put a potential interest in on from the transfer portal. And let me tell you guys, there are a ton of them. A lot of talented players in the in the portal. Um, you know, Georgia has added a couple of those, uh, but I think that they're also going to have an opportunity to take a couple of those from the transfer portal. Well, and after losing like a guy like Severe Wheeler to the, the the transfer portal, I mean, it'd be nice to see Georgia be able to kind of reap the benefits in yeah. the reverse. Yeah, it's back to back years of crazy transfer portal attrition. Um, I, I do want to mention though that transfer that is coming in, uh, Justin Hill, is the final one of the finalists for the Lou Henson Award, which is basically the Player of the Year in mid-major basketball. So that's a huge pickup uh, for Mike White. And if he can continue to pick up guys of that ilk, you know, that that bodes well for him. But Palmer, what do you chalk this up to before we wrap up? Is it just as simple as Mike White's culture change, players looking for a fresh start after Mike Crean's uh, stint there? What, what do you attribute this exodus to this time around? Yeah, I think when you look at the guys that are leaving – uh, it, it's guys that didn't necessarily play a huge role last season. Um, of of the six that have transferred so far, there've really only been two major losses, and and that would be Christian Wright and of course Cario Quindo. Um, Wright started eleven games last season, uh, including the last five. But we did see, uh, you know, a a, a public, um, you know, dispute uh, going on between his family. And Crean's side, obviously Crean is out, so that's not the cause of the transfer. But I would say that his Georgia experience probably has been tarnished a little bit. Um, you know, he's an in-state guy. I think that's a guy that they probably would have liked to keep around. But I also think that, when, again, uh, when you're bringing in a player like Justin Hill, that's going to raise some eyebrows as to what – uh, the current coaching staff thinks of a player like Christian Wright. Um, and, and so he's out, um, Oquendo's out. But uh, outside of that, you're looking at guys that didn't play huge roles, you know, not a ton of minutes uh, between Dalen Rignall, Cam McDowell, Tyrone Baker, and um, today's entry of Josh Taylor. So right it's hard now, to keep up. <laughs> it's really it hard is, to keep up. Um, you know, and, and you, and you got to think about the guys that left last year, make sure you're not naming one of them. But, um, as it stands right now, Georgia's got five players coming back on scholarship, um, expected to Jalen Ingram, uh, who, who redshirted last season after an injury, Jabri Abdurrahim, Tyrone McMillan, both those guys played pretty big roles for the Bulldogs last year. Same is the case with Noah Bauman and J Braylon Bridges. Uh, but Bauman and Bridges would be using their super senior year of eligibility, uh, due to COVID. So an opportunity to have some experienced guys in, you know, that have been in Athens and played together um, with those five guys and plus walk on Jackson Etter and an opportunity to bring in some talented players around them to kind of supplement them and, and create the Mike White era in Athens. All right. We will uh, be right back after this talking recruiting notes from Jake Roos, a little bit of master stuff and some odds and ends before we wrap up for the weekend. Dog Walk Talk will be right back after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jake Roos, man, we got some recruiting to talk about with you, man. What is the latest big takeaway from the dogs on the recruiting trail right now? Things have slowed down a little bit, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, it's a lot of emphasis on visits right now. Everyone wants to know about Arch Manning, but he's not the only guy that George is looking at in this class. I'll let you take the floor, man. What Sum, sum up where the dogs are recently. Uh, with, with I, these I think top they're in recruits. a great place, to be honest with you. I, everything that I've heard coming off of these visits from these kids has been really positive. Um, you know, and the kids that haven't made it yet, um, but are trying to get up there are kind of chomping at the bit for the opportunity. Um, you know, it, things are going well for Georgia in recruiting. And I know people want to see that manifest itself in commitments. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I guess that is, you know, the, the one currency that we do have in recruiting. But at the same time, there's so much more to it and you're laying the ground floor right now. Um, you know, I think that this is where you kind of set the stage. Guys are trying to figure out which official visits they're going to take. They base a lot of that off of these spring visits and what they get to see and the connections they make with coaches. Then you're bringing in a lot of young players. You're seeing 2024, 2025, 2026 guys even, uh, who've made their way to Athens and have had an opportunity to sit down Spend some time watching practice, hang with coaches, you know, do the photo shoots, see all the facilities. And so the reviews have been really positive. And so I, I caution people who are, you know, freaking out that, that George is kind of at a, a stall right now when it comes to the commitment list because there's so much building going on. Um, you know, I, I think that obviously, like you said, Arch Manning, kind of the, the main name. And so we'll start with him and, and kind of move from there, uh, you know, Made his way up to Athens. Been a couple weeks now uh, that he was on campus. It's big anytime he gets anywhere. And I, I said this, and it's been a couple weeks, so I'll, I'll give you a little behind the, the behind the paywall peek on this one. But the kid, from everything I've heard, is not just taking visits to take visits. Yeah, this is not a situation that he's trying to get wined and dined and you know have coaches fawn over him. I, I really don't think that he cares very much for the recruiting process. I think that his uh, sort of Mm, uh, he stayed away from it in a large way. I mean, obviously, he's not doing any media. You know, he's kind of going about his business quietly. And I, I don't think that it's a situation where he relishes the attention or anything like that. I do think he's trying to get a feel for where's the best place for me. And, um, you know, I do think Georgia is a contender for Arch Manning. Somebody asked me the other day, do I think Georgia lands him? Right now, my gut just says no. And I don't know why. That's not inside information. That's not something I've been told by somebody. I just haven't had a good feeling about it in a couple of months. I, I feel like Texas is going to end up kind of being the choice. Uh, Alabama kind of, it, we've seen it sway back their way a little bit. It, it moves from visit to visit and everybody's hearing what they're hearing at their home base, right? I mean, uh, all of the recruiting insiders out there Obviously, nobody is going to say, hey, 
you know, we suck and, and Arch Manning hates us now. So, I mean, it's that's that's just not going to play with fans. And, and it's and they understand that, you know, there's the media is the mouthpiece. So I think that it's a situation where I, I keep telling people this. Be cautious of what you hear about Arch Manning. Don't listen to me on this. I don't know. I, I, I know what I hear, um, but trust what you can, trust half of what you can see and none of what you hear almost is what I would say. I think something you touched on there with each visit, something different comes out. The RPM prediction machine that on three has, I think some of those like are truly fueled by really solid yes. Intel. But the, but the notable thing to me about Arch, when you look at his RPMs, is and I'm I'm not smart enough to know all of the <laughs> the equations that go in to figuring out those percentages. But wherever Arch visits, the next week his RPM is that school. It was Georgia. Then this past week it's been Alabama, and I think that's kind of a, a clue about what you're talking about is that every time he visits somewhere, it seems to go really well. So, like you said, who really knows what Arch Manning is going to do? I don't even know if Arch Manning does. I think there's probably about a dozen does. people in the world that have any real sense of what Arch Manning thinks about any of this stuff. I think that his head coach at Isidore Newman, Nelson Stewart, is one of those guys. Um, but he is a very savvy media guy. Um, and credit to Coach Stewart. He's been great to us. Um, you know, has answered every call, and I, I can't imagine what that guy is going through. I don't know that he knew what he signed up for when he took the job. Uh, you know, the, you, nobody expects that you're going to have to run point for a 17-year-old uh, from a media perspective. But he's done it, and he's done a tremendous job, and we're really thankful for Coach Stewart for doing it. But outside of that, I think it's probably the people in Arch's household. I think, you know, probably maybe his uncles have a feel for it. Um I just don't think that there are a lot of people outside of his immediate sphere of influence that have any idea what Arch is thinking or what Arch is feeling. And like I said, we can only go on the info that we get from our sources. Um, and it has been positive. But I, I caution everybody when it comes to Arch Manning. I, I'll tell you this. I think we'll have a much clearer idea once we have a time frame on a commitment possibility i think that then mm. things will get really serious because like i said I, I do think what he's doing now is serious i think he's seriously evaluating these schools i think georgia is absolutely in this and is a major player and a, a huge consideration even but at the same time i think that it's a situation with arch where there's time there's time to go and and the longer this goes the the more the, diff the more the factors change, the more he's able to see at one place or the other. Uh, the, the the pitches get different, you know. I mean, everything everything you know grows on that longer timeline. And so I think that once we have kind of a set idea, and, and I've said this before, I think the cool I think the the coolest thing the kid could do would just be do it on a random Tuesday, and not even tell anybody. Just use that that Twitter account that he just started. And tweet out, tweet out, tweet out one thing, it. and just say, "I am committed to blank," and just and that be the only tweet he ever <laughs> tweets, and just roll with it. I think it'd be the hottest, it'd be one of the hottest things on Twitter um, for sure, and I think it would be uh, kind of a big thing. I, I don't think that he'll do that. He's not much of a like a social media guy, obviously. But anyway, Arch, 
Like I said, yeah. uh, you know, Georgia in it for sure. Um, I think that they are uh, among the top two options, in fact. Um, I don't know if I would put Alabama or Texas at that uh, other spot, um, but I don't have a good sense on it right now. And I don't, and like I said, my personal feel is I think he ends up elsewhere. And that's just my gut telling me that that's not anything else. Um, Outside of that, obviously, dogs miss out on LT Overton recently, uh, the reclassified 2023 to 2022 defensive lineman out of Milton High School. Not a huge surprise there. Um, you know, we we'd said Texas A&M probably going to be the pick for uh, a couple months now, really, since he reclassified. Georgia made a good run at it. Uh, so did Oregon. Um, we thought that it was a real possibility um, that he would end up in Oregon. Again, not a guy that I ever really got the sense was headed to Georgia. Felt like he wanted to get out of state, and I get that. He's a guy who's really well-traveled. People forget that just because he's from Alpharetta, or just because he calls Alpharetta home now, doesn't mean he's from there. He's lived over uh, in Alabama. He's lived in Texas at various times. So it's a not not a huge surprise. And um, while it is a loss for the Bulldogs, um, you know, he is a guy that's going to be at a little bit of a, a curve, I think, coming in. I mean, to reclassify, to take a whole year out of uh, your high school experience and try to come in and play against SEC offensive linemen is uh, a tall task. He's a, he's, a, he's a very talented prospect, and I, I think that he'll be very good, but uh, that's going to be a, a, a kind of a, a steep learning curve, in my opinion. Uh, you've written recently about a few guys that are already committed elsewhere. Um, Anthony Evans at Arkansas, uh, Raylan Wilson gave you a pretty solid quote about Georgia saying that the dogs are top tier compared to some of his other visits. I'm just curious about any guys like that that are already committed to schools but seem to still be flirting with Georgia well, a little that's bit. that's the thing, and, and I give Georgia a lot of credit for this. They don't close doors. Um, the, the staff has done a great job of saying, even when a kid commits somewhere else, hey, you know, congratulations to you. Hope that's a great choice. But if you change your mind, we'll be here for you. And I think Raylan Wilson's gotten that message very clearly. In fact, he told me, that uh, he said, you know, Georgia, once I committed to Michigan, Georgia only turned things up. Uh, you know, it was a much, it was a more intense process after that and a more intense pursuit from them. Um, you know, Raylan's going to take an official visit. I think that Georgia is very heavily involved there and stands a great shot with him. I, I think that down the line, you know, you wonder is a kid from Tallahassee going to go to Ann Arbor? And I mean, it's happened before. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Michigan pulls Florida players. There's no question about that, but the distance factor is pretty large and especially comparatively to Athens, which is drivable from, from uh, Tallahassee. So I, I think that um, Georgia very much in that race, they will get the OV. I think that they've got a really strong chance Listen, Glenn Schumann is not a guy I would want to be recruiting against right now, given those Butkus awards. Um, you know, he's done, he's done it all, and he's a young guy. He's hungry, um, and he's kind of taking that Kirby mold, right? Uh, he's he's Kirby to Kirby Saban, if we want to go that direction uh, to some degree. So, mm -hmm. um, I think that they're heavily involved there. Anthony Evans is one guy that I, I really tell people to. 
uh, keep close eyes on here the next uh, couple months. Um, you know, I think that Georgia made a huge impression on him. His mom's from the Savannah area. Uh, a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans in his family was kind of blown away with that offer. Um, you know, is an Arkansas commit. And I got to tell you, credit to the Razorbacks for the early evaluation on him because he's a guy that's flown a little bit under the radar. And I think over the course of this spring and into this summer is going to see his stock really rise. Super fast guy, super twitchy, a lot of agility. Had a chance to speak to former Georgia quarterback Quincy Carter about him. Uh, he's been training with him out in Texas. And Quincy, I mean, listen, I, I'm going to use his words, not mine, all right? So don't come after me. But he said, you're talking about Champ Bailey speed here. <laughs> And, uh, I, yeah, wow. and I, he said, I played with Champ. I know how fast Champ was. He said, I know people, he said, they'll probably beat me up for this. He said, but that, those were his words, not mine. So um, it, it looks like Georgia could be in for a, a good, uh, I think they stand a great chance now. I think that uh, even though he is committed to the Razorbacks, uh, Georgia will be a major factor for a guy like Anthony Evans in the next coming months for sure. Uh, before we wrap up on recruiting, move into some master stuff and wrap up the show. Jake, I know you're hearing a lot of guys say Georgia's the standard. You know, Georgia is Georgia. That's kind of been the theme. And it seems like Georgia's, you know, humming along in a very good way. There's nothing ho-hum about what they're doing. What's been the biggest surprise to you among Georgia's recruits or Georgia's prospects uh, since we've spoken last in the in the last few weeks? Anything that you haven't expected uh, to go down? Uh, you know, I think that what's been interesting for me is talking to the wide receiver recruits and the way that, that they've responded to the hire of Brian McClendon. I think that that's been huge for Georgia. Um, you know, we've heard, we continue to hear great things about Fran Brown. Um, you know, Shadero Zadaribe is a guy who is connected with a lot of guys off the off the rip. Um, Stacey Searles, also a guy that kids have responded to really well. Go uh, read the piece I did with Fletcher Westfall. Uh, 2024 offensive lineman, six foot eight, 315 pounds, just an absolute monster of a man. And, uh, you know, the, the things you're hearing about these guys are consistent from the kids. And I, that's, that's great. But to me, it's been about McClendon because I think McClendon has a chance to reshape this room. Um, you know, I think that Georgia has been, I don't want to say getting by because that makes it sound like these guys aren't talented, but they're not getting Jamison William type players. They're not getting these high level, you know, Jerry Judy's or uh, yeah, Devontae Smith's. Um, you know, a guy like A.D. Mitchell was uh, kind of an unknown coming in. Uh, Lad McConkey is a guy you found at the last minute uh, and, and just so happened to see him pan out. Um, they need some help in that receiver room uh, if they want to take this passing game, I think, to the next level. Uh, you need a dozen A.D. Mitchells, uh, not just one. And um, I think that Brian McClendon has a chance to do that. Hakeem Williams has responded really well. Uh, you know, I heard Carnell Tate had a good visit. Don't think he's going to end up in Athens, but uh, great to hear that from a five-star guy. Tyler Williams is another guy that seems like he's connected with McClendon. So, um, you know, these new hires for the dogs, I, I know people were concerned about all this turnover on the staff. I think Kirby did a great job in uh, addressing these uh, these vacancies. Um, you know, I had a kid tell me uh, yesterday that he said, Fran Brown, I, I can completely understand why Georgia hired him. Uh, he's a guy who can get me ready for the league and take me to the next level. And that's what all these kids want. Uh, wins are great. Championships are great. But at the end of the day, everybody's trying to hear uh, Roger Goodell get up there and call their name first. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, 
you quote tweeted Jalen Carter talking about his recruiting stars yesterday and how much, you know, he said five stars are great, but I came here with a different business plan in mind. All right, Palmer, we'll bring you back in, man. Uh, dogs at the Masters. We got six Georgia golfers. Chris Hack, what a G. Uh, Brian Harmon was quoted, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday at the Masters, and he said, you know, people used to negatively recruit against Georgia and say that Georgia couldn't get guys onto the tour. And now I don't think anyone can negatively recruit about that. Uh, six dogs, all right, we'll go through the odds here if you're getting your wagers in last minute here on this Wednesday evening. Brian Harmon, who I just mentioned, is plus 10,000. Uh, Russell Henley, plus 6,500. Kevin Kisner at plus 8,000. Sepp Straka, first-timer, plus 25,000. Hudson Swafford, second-time, plus 40,000. And Bubba Watson, plus 7,000. 10-year anniversary of that shot from the Pine Straw. Uh, go really quick with you guys. Out of those six, who do you think has the best chance to win or uh, who do you feel the best about? I mean, <clears throat> you would have to go with Bubba, right? Because of the experience. This is a course where no, course knowledge is so valuable. Um, you know, so I, I, I think Bubba, knowing his way around that course, is going to um, probably help him a ton there, um, you know, in terms of best chance to win among Georgia guys. He wouldn't be my pick to win it, though. I. I'm leaning more John Rom. Interesting. Interesting. I, yeah, I mean, I got to go with Bubba, too, um, for the same reason. I mean, listen, that shot off the, the pine straw, probably my favorite in Masters history, to be honest with you, because I still – I saw the replay. Uh, you know, every time I watch it, I still can't understand how that happened. I, it doesn't make sense to me, based on what he was looking at coming out of there, how where that ball landed. Uh, it was almost like somebody threw it out of the crowd onto the green. So – um, I agree. Course knowledge, huge there. Um, I give Bubba the edge, I guess. Uh, I, I don't follow the tour that closely. Um, so I, I would have to give him that. Listen, I don't watch golf. I watch the masters. Right. And so, um, I, uh, I would give him the edge, but Hey, root, rooting for tiger. Let's go. For, let's, 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 let's run it back one more time, man. I will, I will add in. There's a reason that Brian Harmon is, is the one with the best odds. And, and the fact that, that course sets up really well for a lefty, and he's a lefty himself. Uh, so, you know, you got two lefties that we've mentioned here with between Bubba and Harmon. Um, I lean more towards Bubba, again, because of that course experience and how many times he's played at Augusta. But Harmon hasn't played too poorly himself, finished tied for 12th last year. Um, all right. Yeah, so on that Bubba shot, I was in my senior year at Georgia at the SLC or MLC, whatever students call it now, and I was studying for something that week. But, of course, on Masters Sunday, everyone had their laptops open watching the Masters. And usually that place is pretty quiet. You know, people will murmur, they'll chat, they'll cut up or whatever, but it's pretty quiet. And when Bubba hit that, like you could almost hear a roar in the SLC because so many people were watching it. 
And that was one of those Masters moments that you didn't even have to be there. But if you were in the state of Georgia or on Georgia's campus, it was a palpable moment uh, for people following Bubba. Absolutely insane. And if you've been to Augusta, you've seen people kind of make their pilgrimage down there to the Pine Straw to check it out. And by the end of the tournament, that whole patch down there of Pine Straw is totally worn out from patrons going to check it out. Uh, I'm going to go with, of the dogs that have the best shot, I'm going to say Russell Henley. And I covered him a good bit uh, when I was working in Macon. He went to Stratford Academy out of Macon and the CBS affiliate WMAZ, who sent me to the Masters a few times. Uh, Really, my assignment most of those years was to follow Russell, get a quote from him, uh, give the local guy angle. Russell's a pretty reserved dude, and he was still pretty early on in his tour career at that point. Um, you know, he, he's missed the cut recently and, and missed chances to go to the Masters at all recently. But now he's back, and he's playing some of his best golf. He has a very mechanically sound swing, disciplined dude. He just has that blow-up round, and a lot of guys do at Augusta. It's really hard to win there, obviously. Um, but I'm going to say that Russell has it right between the ears and, and has it right around the course. He has the experience there, and I, I think mentally um, he'll be able to put it together this time after some reflection of what it takes to do it. My overall pick to win, I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa, though, who had uh, one of the strangest Masters press conferences I think I've ever heard. Um, if you're a Masters fan, go back and listen to that if you can, because it is weird as hell. One of the sample questions a reporter from his hometown asked him if he felt like being married was going to make him a bad golfer. And that's typically not something you ask at that, you know, at that juncture at the Masters, but you never know. It kind of has a Super Bowl media day feel to it these days with anyone who wants to get a weird question in there, they can get it in. I know. But, I feel like I know a lot of guys who've become better golfers once they got married because uh, they're spending yeah. a lot of lo- less time around the house, to be honest with you. <laughs> let me, yeah, let me get out of the house for, <laughs> for a few hours. Um, cool. Well, guys, this has been a great episode. Uh, one little thing I didn't mention. We, we had a conversation with Terrence Edwards about Arik Gilbert um, that we haven't had a chance to speak about on the podcast, but just want to point y'all back to that. I know that that's a, a player this spring that people have no shortage of questions about. And I think if you want to really get a glimpse of where he is in his recovery, I uh, just wanted to make a note about that. Palmer, anything else? I, I picked Jake's Roos, uh, Jake's, Jake Roos's brain about you know things that have surprised him over the last few weeks on the Georgia front. What's been the biggest surprise for you? <clears throat> from Georgia spring, uh, or anything surrounding Georgia sports? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, as it relates to Georgia sports, I think, you know, the sweep of Florida last weekend was a big one, especially the way that baseball won those games. Um, you know, the, the hire of Mike White, um, obviously bringing a new life to the basketball program. And, and it, it'll be interesting to see who they go after in the transfer portal. Um, but it, it's Athens football dominates coverage down here. And, um, you know, it's obviously been great to be back in the building and uh, getting to see some practice. Maybe the most surprising part to me has been that we've gotten to see as much practice as we have. Uh, and, and I, you know, that's been a pleasant surprise, to say the least. Um, Storyline I would watch going into G-Day. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the 
uh, defense as they continue to reload and rebuild, um, you know, trying to be a Georgia defense uh, and, and play, you know, they they have the look of one they've got to, um, you know, get cohesive in their uh, efforts um, to become a Georgia defense and, and to, you know, live up to the standard that has been set by defenses in the past. Um, but I think the offense is, is going to be exciting to watch this year um, and, and certainly excited to see that next week at G-Day. Thanks for listening to Dog Walk Talk on Dogs HQ. Uh, hit the follow button if you don't already. Appreciate y'all uh, hanging out with us for a few minutes here. And if you aren't already signed up for Dogs HQ, as I mentioned, our spring ball special has you covered four months for $10, an absolute steal. Appreciate y'all's time as always. Uh, Have fun watching the Masters this week, and we will catch you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.